may be seated. Well, if you haven't met me, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I don't know about you, but I often lack in my, in my life in the area of prayer. And I don't mean today that I lack prayer in how often I do it, although that is certainly the case. But often where I lack in prayer is the grammar and vocabulary of prayer. How to pray well. And so God graciously has given us examples, hasn't he, in how to pray. That glorify your name in us, through us. You can have a seat. Church family, so good to see you. I love you. So thankful for you. Seriously, I love you. So grateful for what God is doing in and among us. And what a privilege it is today to worship Jesus together. What a privilege it is to look into God's Word and study it together. Let's pray again before we dive in. Lord, You are a great God, greater than we can even imagine or declare. Your greatness is unsearchable. Your wisdom knows no bounds. Your mercy is relentless. So we thank You this morning that You have pursued us, that You have loved us, that You have given us so many good things to enjoy together. Thank you so much for these my friends and church family. I thank you so much for their love and faith towards you. I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you for the ways that you're blessing us with your power and your presence. We are grateful. We pray that you would make us grateful people. Thank you for your word that has for centuries guided your people given your wisdom and your ways to your people. We pray that you would use this very familiar psalm to awaken us, to restore us, to heal us, to give us hope. Lord, you know exactly what we need. You know exactly what each individual in this room needs. You know exactly what I need. And so, Lord, we pray that your word would do its work for your glory for your namesake. We pray that you would help us to see it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if anyone is interested in a roadmap of where we are and where we're going in terms of uh, the sermon schedule, let me give you just a sort of brief Cliff Notes version of that. This summer, we've been meditating on the promises of God. We've been considering some of the choicest promises of God's Word and just meditating on them, chewing on them, seeking to believe them and stand upon them together. I hope one of the effects of this series has just been to heighten your awareness of and gratefulness for the precious and very great promises of God's Word that are all yes and amen in Jesus. The goal of this series on the promises has been to help us sort of store away some scrumptious promises in the pantry of our souls. I hope you have some fresh arrows of promises in your quiver to shoot down the lies of the enemy. The plan is to have another couple of weeks uh, of sermons on God's promises, including today, to close out that series, but then Starting on September the 4th, God willing, we plan to study the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. So one of the 
the, the, the sort of intentionality that we have in sermon series is we try to do Old Testament, New Testament, and alternate those to make sure we're exposing ourselves to all of God's Word. So early this year, we studied the little book of James in the New Testament, and so now we're switching to the Old Testament, and we'll be studying, God willing, the book of Ecclesiastes. And as I am with every book that we enter into a study, I'm very excited about this one. It is going to be so challenging to preach through the book of Ecclesiastes, but I'm praying that the message of this strangest of Bible books would serve us in ways that we don't even know we need right now. May God give us wisdom through His authoritative Word. And if if you're interested in studying Ecclesiastes more on your own and diving more in depth as we study it together, if you want to be prepared to take some notes uh, as we study it together, there are these neat little, I meant to bring one with me to show you uh, how neat it is, these little, they're called ESV Scripture Journals. And basically they just take one book of the Bible and it's the text of the, the Bible interspersed with blank pages. And so they're really convenient to take notes, to highlight, to underline, to draw arrows. If you don't like doing that in your Bible, the the scripture journals are a great way to do that. We have some on the book table in the foyer. They're about $5 each, or you can get them from Amazon uh, or wherever wherever else you can can buy good books, uh, the ESV scripture journals. And so get one on Ecclesiastes and follow along, study along with us as we start on September the 4th. Well, this morning we continue meditating on God's promises. And for this morning's promise, turn to one of the most familiar chapters in all the Bible, Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. For most of us, Psalm 23 probably carries with it thoughts about a funeral or maybe someone in the past who treasured this as their favorite Bible passage, maybe a a grandparent or an aunt who had this on a blanket or on a frame picture on the wall. And this certainly is a great psalm for funeral or great psalm to know when we're facing death. After all, David was walking through the valley of the shadow of death when he composed this psalm. However, what I want to say this morning is that this is a psalm for living. This is a psalm for our lives. This is a psalm about what God promises to be for us at every stage of our lives in this world and for all eternity. This is a psalm for us to believe and stand upon each and every day of our lives. I hope that for many of you, this is your favorite chapter in the Bible. I hope for many of you, this is a very, very familiar psalm because it is so rich with gospel truth. As Charles Spurgeon, my favorite uh, preacher, wrote a massive commentary on the book of Psalms. It's called The Treasury of David. And in The Treasury of David, in this massive uh, three-volume commentary on the Psalms, Spurgeon called this psalm the pearl of the Psalms. The pearl of the Psalms. If the Psalms were a museum, Psalm 23 would be the central exhibit. And so let's read this pearl of the Psalms in full. Psalm 23, this is a Psalm of David. And it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What an amazing sentence that first line is. Happy is the soul who can say this with confidence. Notice the personal pronoun in verse 1. My. The Lord is not just a shepherd. The Lord is not just the shepherd. The Lord is not just the shepherd of Israel. The Lord is my shepherd. There is no sweeter peace and contentment that a person can know in all of life than to be able to honestly say, the Lord is my shepherd. We'll hit some application throughout this sermon, but let me just front in some application right here on the beginning. Can you say this for yourself? Look at the deepest part of you. Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd? Is the Lord God your shepherd? Is He the shepherd of your soul? Is He the captain of your soul? Is He, is he your shepherd? Do you gladly and humbly submit to the Lord God as your shepherd? Do you know Him? In this way that you can say, not just the Lord is a shepherd, not just the Lord is the shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean to be able to say that? Well, I think the rest of this psalm fills up the meaning of that phrase. David praises God here for three specific truths about God as our shepherd. We're going to walk through each of these three truths, but let me give them to you now. He says, first, our shepherd provides all we need. Second, our shepherd protects us from all evil. And third, our shepherd pursues us all our days. So he provides all, he protects all, and he pursues all. Now these first two truths that He provides and He protects, they're stated in this psalm as a present tense fact about who God is, about what He does always and forever. However, the final truth is stated as a promise of future grace. Look at it. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is what the Lord has promised to do 
and to be for us. And so let's allow the truth of what God does for us now excite us for what God will continue to do for us in the future. So the first truth about Him being our shepherd is our shepherd provides all that we need. Our shepherd provides all we need. Everything we need is provided by our good shepherd. So the first and the main truth of this psalm is that God is enough for us. As our shepherd, God Himself is all that we need. And so I'm saying it as our shepherd provides all we need, but what I don't mean to say, what I don't want you to hear, is that God just provides things that are all we need. That's true, but God Himself is what we need is what I mean by that. God Himself is what He provides that satisfy us. When, when He's our shepherd, when He's our shepherd, we have no lack because we have Him. Because He is enough. And we have to be convinced of this, friends. We have to be convinced that He Himself is enough. Because if we aren't, then we will go looking for all of His good gifts to satisfy us and not God Himself. He is the greatest of His good gifts. He Himself is the most treasured and prized possession that He gives to His sheep. David says, notice it, the Lord is my shepherd. And the response to that is, I shall not want. That is, I have all that I need because I have You. Because I have You as my shepherd, I have no lack at all. When the Lord is your shepherd, you can be content with Him and with Him alone. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. and Because of that, I shall not want. But he doesn't stop there. He spends the rest of this psalm describing the ways that God provides for us as our shepherd. In fact, let me highlight seven metaphors that David uses to describe how abundantly God provides for His sheep. So, seven metaphors. First, David says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. So, green fields is a metaphor for abundant provision. For a sheep, a green pasture is a place of never-ending nourishment and rest. And notice what God does for us in these succulent green pastures. What does He do for us when we're there? He makes me lie down. That is, God gives us graciously rest. He makes me lie down. Now, listen, I've been reading, quoting, meditating on Psalm 23 for the good part of two decades. And until this last week, I had never seen, seen, the word makes in verse 2. Look at it. What, yeah, I always thought this verse 2 was just about what God provides. He provides these green pastures and then, and then we go and enjoy them. But no, that's not what verse 2 says. That's, the blessing in verse 2 is not the green pasture. What's the blessing? He makes me lie down in the green pasture. He gives the green pasture, yes, but then He gives rest he makes us rest. This is so helpful, friends. We can't even rest apart from God's provision. 
How weary is the soul who does not have a shepherd who makes him lie down and rest. Yet, Yes, this is saying rest is a good gift from a good shepherd, but it's saying more than that. This is saying something about how foolish we are, right? We won't even rest unless we are made to do so. Our shepherd knows how good rest is for us, and so what does he do? He makes us lie down. He knows how good rest is for not just our bodies physically, but for our souls. Does true rest seem like a mirage to you? Does it seem like something that's off in the distance that you never really reach true rest? Now, there's a sense in which, yes, it's off in the distance that we'll rest eternally in Him. But in the here and now, do you find yourself able to actually rest? This psalm preaches good news to us. When God is our shepherd, when the Lord is my shepherd, He makes me lie down and He gives me the rest that I need. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus gives this amazing promise. Listen, I feel kind of bad that we're doing an entire series on the promises of God and we aren't going to specifically look at the promise in Matthew 11. I wish we had one more week, but we don't, but I'm going to sneak it in right here. <laughs> Matthew 11, 28 through 30, this is Jesus. This is the Lord Jesus. And this is what he says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Here's the promise. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our shepherd is all that we need. He makes us lie down in green pastures. The second metaphor here he uses to talk about how it is our shepherd provides is he leads me beside still waters. So evidently sheep spook easily, so much so that they will avoid any kind of rushing or loud water. They would rather die of thirst and stay away than risk drinking water that is scary and unknown to them. And God knows this about his sheep. He knows how fickle and afraid we are, and so He gives us what we need. He leads us beside still waters so that we can drink to our satisfaction. Green pastures and still waters, I think are metaphors for God's provision, the way He takes care of us, God's blessings to His sheep. So just think for a moment about some of the green pastures and still waters that God has provided for you, that God is even now providing for you. As I contemplated this this week, I, I allowed my mind, which I don't like to do, but I allowed my mind to think back to the time when I was in the hospital late last year. As I look back, I can see green pastures and still waters that the Lord was giving me in the midst of pain and fear. There was the green pasture of my caring wife. What a refreshment. What an oasis in the midst of a dry and weary land. There was the refreshing waters of this nurse named Sarah. 
closest thing to a superhero I've ever met. There were the still waters of countless cups of ice chips that God used to give me rest, refreshment, hope of better days. Friends, green pastures and still waters are all around us. God has given these blessings because He's a good shepherd who provides all that we need. You know what happens? This is what happens in my life, at least. I'm sure it happens for you. We take these green pastures and these still waters for granted most of the time. We just assume they're part of everyday life. We don't recognize that God is providing them for us to give us rest and refreshment. But then when they're gone, oh, then we want to complain and grumble because they're no longer there. So friends, take some time this afternoon, take some time every day of your life to identify the blessings of rest and refreshment that God so graciously provides, both big and small ways that God provides these green pastures and these still waters for us. Here's the truth. Our shepherd provides all that we need. Our shepherd is all that we need. Third, David says, he restores my soul. What does it mean that the Lord provides all that we need? Well, He restores our soul. This is what we need. Our souls need restoring, and God does this. Now listen, the Lord restores our soul when He saves us from our sins, when He causes us to be born again and gives us new life. Our soul is restored. But I think this is referring to what He does continually. Even for His people, this is a continuative, restorative work that He does in our soul. He's constantly restoring our soul. This is who our shepherd is. This is what our shepherd does. He takes what is broken and he restores it. He makes it new. Friends, has this happened for you? Have you been born anew? Has your soul been restored by the Lord? And are you constantly being restored day by day by day? Friends, stay close to the shepherd and your soul will be continually restored and repaired and healed. Fourth, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, David says. So how are you and I going to take the right paths in life? We need a shepherd, don't we? We need someone to guide us to those right paths. See, sheep like us tend to wander into danger. When there are forks in the road and it forks into three or four different paths, how are we going to know what the righteous path to take is? I think most of us just assume we're wise enough to know which path to take when we face that fork. But the reality is we are sheep. We are far too easily persuaded to go one way or another that is without the Lord's guidance. Our shepherd provides this for us. This is how he provides. He provides guidance and leadership to our lives. He does this through his word. He does this through each other, through his church family. And why does God do this? Notice it. I want you to see this in the text. Why does God do this in verse 3? Why does he lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? He does this for his name's sake. Why does he do it? It's not ultimately for us that God provides all that we need. Yes, we get the benefit from it but it's ultimately for the glory of His great name. It's ultimately so that He is seen as the shepherd, as the provider. Fifth, David says, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
Now we'll come back to verse 4 in a moment, but look down at verse 5. Our shepherd prepares a feast for us even in the presence of our enemies. The picture here is this battle raging all around us, arrows flying everywhere, but God has us feasting in the middle of the battle. A picture of peace and contentment and security in the midst of the war. Our shepherd is all that we need in good times, and he is all that we need in difficult times. He is a gracious and hospitable host who welcomes us to his feast, the feast that he has provided for us. Six, David says, he anoints my head with oil. I'm not exactly sure what this metaphor means, but I assume because of the shepherd and sheep language here, this is a reference to how a shepherd would put special kinds of oil on a sheep's face to keep the bugs away. The shepherd was kind to do this, to care for his sheep. It would save the sheep from a lot of annoyance and potentially harmful parasites. And David says, God's done this for me. He's anointed me with oil. He provides so much more than I need. He is kind in the ways that he blesses us and takes care of us in ways far better than we deserve. And then notice seventh, David says, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. At the end of verse 5, David sort of summarizes the Lord's provision by saying, my cup overflows. And so I assume cup is a metaphor for life. God is pouring blessing into David's life in such a way that it's spilling over. Again, God is all that we need and God is more than we need. When God blesses us, He blesses us extravagantly. He doesn't just fill our cup to the brim. He overflows our cup with blessing and rest and refreshment. This is basically just another way to say, I shall not want. My cup overflows. So does your cup overflow today? The Lord provides all that we need. Take some time to thank Him today and each and every day for the ways that He fills and overflows your cup. And let that favor that He overflows your cup with spill over to others as you encounter them in day-to-day life. Our shepherd provides all that we need. That's the first truth about our shepherd. Here's the second truth. Our shepherd protects us from all evil. Now this second point is really just another expression of the first. One of the ways God provides is by protecting. But notice David's confidence in God in verse 4. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which which I take to, to mean the darkest of shadows, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Friends, there are some lessons we can't learn in the green pastures and by the still waters. There are depths of maturity that cannot be had in only good times. Some lessons the shepherd teaches us can only be known when we are in the valley of the shadow of death. Our Savior sometimes leads us out of the safe and secure land and into a place where there is danger and evil all around. We have learned from Romans 8.28 and Romans 8.32 over the last few weeks that God has nothing but good planned for His children. Because of the death of Jesus, we know that God provides all good things for us. But those good things often come through hard and painful days. 
The Lord doesn't always rescue out of the valley of the shadow of death. He sometimes leads through the valley to teach us how to trust Him. Listen, we don't ever wish suffering into our lives. We don't ever wish suffering into each other's lives. But we do wish maturity and faith and steadfastness into each other's lives. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In other words, the valley is a school where we learn to die to ourselves and to trust our Good Shepherd. The valley is a school that teaches us maturity and faith like the green pastures and the still waters never could. But notice our confidence when we're facing death and dark days. David says, I will fear no evil. Remember as we pointed out with Romans 8.28, there is real evil. There is real wickedness in this world and we face it as Christians. In the shadow of death, there are all kinds of evil lurking, ready to pounce on us. And so how does our shepherd protect us? Notice the text. I will fear no evil. Why? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God protects us by being with us in the valley. There's nothing I cannot face if I know God is with me. The ultimate evil will be trying to face the dark valley by myself in my own strength. And so the reason we don't fear or fret is because our shepherd is with us. And promises to be with us. His rod and his staff, they do what? They comfort us. Because he will use them to defend us from the schemes of the evil one. I think verse 4 is a metaphor for eternal security. No matter what we face in this life, God promises to keep us to the end. That's what verse 4 is saying. He will be near us as we journey through the valley of the shadow of death and ultimately the evil of unbelief and hell and condemnation will not befall us if we are His children, if we are His sheep because He is with us and He will protect us with His rod and His staff that give us comfort to know that if He began the good work in us, He will complete the good work He started So I will not fear, David says. Can you say this? I will not fear. No matter what happens to me is what he's saying by saying, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you, my good shepherd, are with me. Our Savior shepherd protects us with his very own presence. Well, the third and the final truth I want you to see about our good shepherd in this passage is this. Our shepherd pursues us all our days. Our shepherd shepherd pursues us all our days. And so verse 6 contains the promise of Psalm 23. David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now to dwell in the house of the Lord is an amazing thought. This metaphor speaks of eternal belonging, never being kicked out of the Lord's house ever. When the Lord saves us, He secures us forever. We never have to worry if we'll be kicked out of God's family. We are eternally His. Listen, our shepherd will continue to be our shepherd until the end. 
Our shepherd will be our shepherd forever. Nothing is better than this blessing to think of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And so my plan is to continue next week meditating on this promise as we consider Jesus' promise to come back and get us as He's preparing an eternal place even now for us. But with the few minutes that we have left today, I want us to see the promise that God will pursue us. That God will chase after us. Notice the ESV has the word follow in verse 6. But the Hebrew word behind this word follow carries the idea of considerable effort and focus. The idea is not that God's mercy will follow behind us at a distance like some kind of surveillance, but rather the idea is that God's mercy chases us down. God's goodness, God's covenant faithfulness aggressively pursue after us and will for all of our days. We cannot outrun, we cannot outlast our shepherd. He is swift and he pursues us with intensity and focus with his goodness and his mercy. Goodness and mercy are part of God's character. They're part of his glory. This is who God is. This is what makes him God. And so this promise is saying that the Lord Himself will pursue us in an effort to do us good, in an effort to show us mercy. So the picture is not that God is you know, kind of aloof and He has all these good things in His hands and He will offer them to anyone who comes into His presence, but He's just going to wait for us to come. That's not the picture of Psalm 23. The picture is God has all of these good mercies, all of these good things, and He's going after us where we are. He's tracking us down. He's pursuing us with His goodness and His mercy. I'm not sure what this says about me, but I enjoy a good police chase video. Right? You know the ones I'm talking about? The ones where you get the perspective from the helicopter and the suspect's vehicle is weaving in and out of traffic on a busy freeway and then the camera pans out and you can see that there are dozens of cop cars chasing in hot pursuit. And at some point in the video, the bad guy gets out of his vehicle and he begins to run away on foot. And what happens? The police get out of their car and they chase him down. The picture of this metaphor is of a tense police chase. But instead of chasing us down to tase us and pin us down and take us to jail... What does the Lord do when He chases us down? He shows us mercy. He shows us His goodness. The picture is that we as sheep are running away from God's mercy as vigorously as we possibly can. You might think you're just sort of neutral to God, but in reality, on your own, you are running away from God. We are in reckless pursuit to be free of God's goodness and mercy. But what does the Lord do in His mercy? He chases us down in order to make our cup overflow and in order to provide abundantly for us. The Lord chases us with His mercy to give us green pastures and still waters to restore our soul and to lead us in paths of righteousness. This is what God does for rebellious people like us. And David communicates this as a promise. God will track you down. Goodness and mercy will pursue you. 
And he always catches up to those he pursues. Listen, you cannot outrun God's mercy. You might be able to run fast, but you cannot outrun the mercy of God. In fact, if you doubt that that's true, if you think, ah, it's just an overstatement, read the book of Jonah. God orchestrates all of creation to do good to his people. So friends, do you feel far away from God today? If that's you, I'm glad you're here this morning. You're welcome here. Is that you? Do you feel like you've run a million miles away from God and He'll never find you? Sure, He does all this stuff for other people, but it never could be you. But friends, I've got good news for you today. If He has chosen you, if you are His sheep, He is pursuing you even now. That you are here this morning is part of God's pursuit of you to show you His goodness and to show you His mercy. And our Savior Shepherd pursues us with an eternal mercy, not just with a temporary mercy. All the days of my life means that this God, this Shepherd, pursues us on the happy days and on the sad days and on all the days in between. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God doesn't just let me run away and wait for me to return to Him because I'd never return on my own. My heart is so hard, my heart is so rebellious that the only way I'm ever going to stop and trust this shepherd is if he chases after me with his goodness and with his mercy. And with what intensity does he pursue us? With what focus does he pursue us with his goodness and mercy? Well, let me let Jesus, the Son of God, answer that question from John chapter 10. We read it earlier in the service. Listen to how Jesus answers the question, with what intensity does He pursue His sheep? Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd, who doesn't own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because He's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Notice the intensity. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Our Good Shepherd has pursued us by laying down His life for us. And He says He must go get us. He must pursue us. He has chased us to death, even death on a cross. So we have this good shepherd. We have this shepherd who provides all we need. He protects us from all evil. He pursues with relentless mercy all the days of our life. And so the call of Psalm 23 is trust this shepherd now. Trust him. Let him be your shepherd. He will pursue you. And that, my friends, is a good thing. Let's pray together. Well, Lord, you are our shepherd. Because you're our shepherd, we say to you, we shall 
not want. You make us to lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You restore our soul. You lead us in paths of righteousness for Your great namesake. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, we will fear no evil because You are with us. Your rod and Your staff, they are our comfort. You, Lord, prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil. Our cup surely overflows. And We say with David, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We thank You, O great shepherd. We thank You in the great name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's stand together and sing yet.